maybe the second piece of advice I'll give is what one of the hundred plus people told us in terms of advice as well too. She said, you know, I think you guys are on the right track, but you need to study your audience and this, these issues uh, a lot more than I think you are. Um, and and by that she meant, and in her words, she said, you need to get proximate to the issues. Welcome to the Civic Hacker Podcast. I'm your host, Lori McNeil, founding director of the Civic Hacker Network and the Civic Hacker Summit. The mission of the Civic Hacker Network is to create and empower a globally connected community of people who are using data and technology to create positive social change. We do this by equipping and empowering people to move their change-making projects forward, We also amplify the work our membership is doing by providing a platform through which civic hackers can publicize their projects, collaborate, and get the resources and support they need. Our motto is Problems Have Solutions. I invite Civic Hacker podcast listeners to join me on a learning journey where we explore the vast array of solutions that are emerging in various forms in communities all around the world and to partake of the feast of knowledge available from people who are leading the way in using data and tech for positive impact. I believe that we all can take these lessons and examples and use them to inform solutions tailored to our own communities. This podcast series features the interviews and talks that are recorded during Civic Hacker Summit events. The summits are online events where a specially curated, invitation-only group of experts and emerging changemakers share stories, strategies, tips, and tactics for making an impact with data and technology. For anyone wanting to make the world a better place, imagine having an easy way to find socially responsible businesses doing something for social causes you care about like sustainability, equality, or human rights. When you choose to purchase the things you are going to buy anyway from those businesses, you make a difference with your life, the business owner, employees, and the people and planet they support. The change maker that you're going to hear from in this episode believes that every time you use your dollars to support a socially responsible business, you're also spreading a little more good karma around for everyone. After a 30-plus year career in consulting, technology, and software industries, today's guest, Rich Yap, turned in his corporate job for a different mission, to help people spread good karma by supporting socially responsible businesses. Rich and his co-founder launched Karmalize, the world's first and only online directory of socially responsible businesses, searchable by social cause and completely crowdsourced from people who care about making a better future. I'm excited for you to hear from Rich, who was quite generous in sharing information about his journey. He really takes us behind the scenes of building a tech product with the social impact mission as the focus. We talk about the importance of researching your target user and collecting feedback. We cover why they chose to use crowdsource uh, businesses to feature on the platform rather than just searching for them on their own, and how the resulting data that they have amassed is used. And we also discuss what it means to become proximate to the issue you're working on and to genuinely engage with social impact movements. 
Rich is just great. And I felt that I came away from this conversation with some solid advice and encouragement for what I'm working on. I know you will too. Enjoy the conversation. Hi, welcome. Hi, Lori. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for being here. Um, I can't wait for people to hear about what you're working on and getting get to get inspired. And so, you know, if we could just start out with you letting us all know uh, more about what Carmelize is and how okay. you came to uh, build it. Like, what's the origin story there? Okay. okay. Well, first of all, thank you, Lori, for this opportunity. It's, it's wonderful to be here. Um, there's a lot of people that have helped me get to this point, and I know none of them expect anything in return. So this is an opportunity for me to pay it forward, and I hope somebody in the audience will get inspired today, and, and one day they're going to have a chance to pay it forward as well, too. But thank you for this opportunity. Yeah. So my story about Carmelize is a bit about, you know, you heard the saying about luck and opportunity come together. So the opportunity came to me a couple of years ago when I was talking to a friend of mine. And out of the blue, he said, hey, Rich, I've got an, I got an opportunity for you. <laughs> I started this nonprofit and it hasn't been going well. It's stalled. I'd like somebody to come in and uh, resurrect it and get it up and running again. And it's in the social impact space. And I thought, well, that's a wonderful opportunity. And great, right? Um, the luck comes in in that a few months before that, I got laid off from my IT career of 30 plus years, right? So I, without that, arguably a misfortune, it wouldn't have led to this conversation with my friend who ended up giving me the opportunity to run this nonprofit. Wow. As it came about, um, that wasn't the right opportunity for me, but it led me to think about what do I really want to do? Do I want to jump back into another IT career? Do I use this opportunity to figure out what I really want to do? The answer is I'm going to use this opportunity to figure out what I really want to do. Um, I continued talking to a number of other people, one of whom became my co-founder we eventually decided we're gonna start this nonprofit called Social Leader. And that was a nonprofit with the mission to enable anyone, anywhere, anytime to be a social leader in the community. All well and good until COVID hit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when COVID hit, we had to take a pause and say, now what do we do? Things are different. Um, we decided we had to really narrow our focus and get more intentional and do something that we could do with more urgency and get out quicker. That eventually became Carmelize. So what is Carmelize? Here's my story about Carmelize. For anyone who wants to do and make a better world, think about, imagine a world where you have an easy way to find socially responsible businesses that are doing something for social causes you care about, like sustainability or equality or human rights. And you have a choice. Every time you choose to buy from them, the things you're gonna buy anyway, then you're making a choice to do something, make a difference with your life, with the business owner's life and his or her employees and the people and planet that they support. And every time you do so, you add a little bit more good karma in the world. That's why we call it Carmelize. Nice. And I'll give you an example. So one of my favorite stories is there's a business here in Dallas where I live called La Megalo Pizza. Why? Because if you go to their restaurant, there's a sign on the front door that says, hey, if you're hungry or down in your luck, and, and you're hungry and can't afford it, come on in, we'll feed you free slices of pizza, no questions asked. And the owner, it's a minority owned, Ram Mehta is the owner. And I asked him, why do you do that? And he said, you know, I didn't always have a restaurant. And when I wanted to start a restaurant, my mom wasn't really in favor of it. 
And so I promised, I said, mom, don't worry about it. If I ever get the chance to open my own restaurant, nobody goes hungry. So that's his promise that he does in memory of his mom. And that's the kind of socially responsible business that we want people to know more about. So Carmelize is an online crowdsourced directory of thousands of socially responsible businesses just like that, searchable by social cause and all crowdsourced by people who care about making a better future. So think about the next thing that you wanna buy, go to Carmelize.org, find a place and go start making a difference there. That's the story of Carmelize. Right. And that, that's such a beautiful story. And then, you know, you think about how hard uh, restaurants have been hit um, lately. Right. And, you know, like you're saying, we have a choice when we go to spend a dollar, um, you know, what are we going to really be supporting? And we talk about supporting small businesses, but it's like, this takes it even a step further and you're supporting, you know, in a way, a set of values. Um, and, you know, it goes beyond the, uh, what is it? This, CSR, you know, the corporate social responsibility. Exactly, like he doesn't right. have, you know, some big reporting requirement, like corporate <laughs> things, but, you know, but right. it is still as significant and as critical that, you know, hit what he's doing is, you know, supported and by uh, helping him, you yes. know, you're also voting for people, you know, doing those kind of things in their community and so he right. won't stop, right? So Right, yeah. You're right, Lori. The vast majority of the businesses in Carmelize are small businesses, right? We support social causes like hunger and poverty and education, healthcare. There's a whole bunch of small businesses out there owned by you know, ordinary people. I call them ordinary people. They're working really hard to make a living and make a business and make a profit and trying to do some good back in the community itself. Yeah. So um, have there been... Um, like you, you mentioned that it's a crowdsource, you know, data set. Yes. So, um, you know, how has that gone for you? Because we do hear about, you know, different um, crowdsourced, you know, data, like with uh, here in California, where we have had a lot of wildfires, right? There's yeah. the purple air, right? Um, where they have the different sensors around, but, um, you know, so you can kind of map out what your air quality issue is. And that's yeah. considered to be like the form of crowdsourcing, but, um, you know, that's a sensor, right? You know, unless something's wrong with it, technically, right? <laughs> there's no one getting in the way or like, I suppose someone could like tamper with it, but um, how do you, uh, with crowdsourcing, you know, social impact or social, you know, responsibility, like, um, you know, what what is that like with like kind of data, quality controls or what are you seeing yeah. as being kind of the pros and cons of getting your data that way? Yeah, so so Lori, we're big proponents of crowdsourcing. And one of the things that we learned earlier on in our research is we came across this book called The Wisdom of Crowds. Mm. And the, 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 the theory behind that is if you have a big enough crowd, the crowd is usually right. Over the long haul, the crowd is usually right. And they're actually smarter than individual decisions that any one individual can make. So we put a lot of trust in that. Uh, we don't try to uh, promote our solution as, hey, we're telling you where the best of the best of the best of these businesses are, right? We're letting the people speak for themselves. Uh, and the more people that speak, you know, the more you can trust, I I'm hoping that the more you can trust what they are saying. Mm. Uh, we've also built in a review mechanism in here that we're asking people, hey, if you like this business that you went to and you heard about their story, and you happen to talk to the owner or even if you didn't and you think 
I liked what I saw and I liked my experience. I'm going to put my review there and say other people can go see that, go, go, go spend their money there as well too. Um, so we've been happy with the response we've gotten from the crowd. People are suggesting businesses to us. Um, there's a very, very, very small percentage of suggestions that we get where we take a look at it. I don't think these quite met the criteria we're yeah. looking for. That's I, literally, it's, it's less than 10 out of a thousand that we've gotten, right? So the vast majority of suggestions we look at it and when you research the business that they're suggesting, it becomes fairly obvious, hey, they're doing Center for Hunger, they're women-owned business, they're minority-owned business, they're Black-owned business. It's pretty obvious what they're doing, um, but you have to find them. And that's where we rely on the crowd to find them for us. So this is the web version of Carmelize. It's at uh, carmelize.org. We also have a um, iOS app from the Apple Store and an Android app from the Google Play Store as well too. Okay. And they all work the same way. Um, it's a search mechanism. You can search as you see here by keyword, by a city, or by a social cause. There's a number of different social causes um, that you can see from a pull down list. But I'll, I'll go down and we try to make this a little bit more graphical. So here's a list of all the different social causes that we support in the database. Um, a large number of these are based on something called the United Nations SDGs. The SDGs stand for um, Sustainable Development Goals set up by the United Nations. Um, you can see things like clean energy, climate change, healthcare, green city. Some wow. of these we renamed it to make it a little bit more um, uh, I guess contemporary. Yeah. Uh, we've extended those lists of social causes to what we call uh, traditionally disadvantaged communities. Mm. So I think most people would be familiar with, hey, there's a lot of people who want to support Black-owned businesses, mm. right? But we don't stop there. We talk about LGBTQ-owned businesses, minority-owned, Native American-owned, um, women-owned, um, and also disability-owned, right? Yeah, so, I see you have veterans but, there, so that's And we great. have veterans yeah. as well too, right, right. So uh, we try to be as, uh, as inclusive as we can of as many different um, communities as we, as we can. So uh, that's one way to search, or you can also search by, and scroll down further down, by food. Very popular, where are you, where are you gonna get your next meal from, right? So like you would imagine from a, a Yelp-like environment, there's different cuisines, mm -hmm. but we don't stop at food. We also have shops and services. So arts and entertainment, automotive, fashion is a big one, home and garden is a big one, um, sports, lots of people have pets, so they like to see that as well too. Okay. Um, so in each of these categories, you will find a list of businesses. I'll show you one more thing. Um, I'm in Dallas, and there are a number of different cities that we feature. So if you're in one of these cities, you can kind of a shortcut to take you there. Um, you can also search near me. So these are some of the businesses near me where I live. Okay. Okay. Um, so if I, if I go into Dallas, for example, and right now we have uh, approaching 1,200 businesses in uh, the database. We started about 400. We've been live for just about three months. Wow. And these are all, these cool. are all sources. So Deep <laughs> Donuts is a minority women-owned small business. Okay. And she's got a fantastic story. Uh, a lot of these are, you know, sort of um, single owner own, or maybe a husband and wife team. And as you can imagine, starting a small business, especially in today's environment, that's, that's a, that's a pretty tall task, right? So it's a lot of hard work, a lot of long hours, and they're finding a way to make it. So if you want to support a minority women-owned business, this, this is it. 
right? Go spend your money at, at, and their donuts are fantastic as, as well too. There's a little story about them, information oh, about wonderful. how you might find them, a map, right? Um, and, and, and some pictures and, and reviews about them. So each one yeah. of our listings give you enough information, get a taste of why would I consider them a socially responsible business? Mm -hmm. I like what I see, you know, maybe I go take a visit or find them online and, and buy them. If I like them, I send a review. That's what we do. Uh, we don't try and go beyond and try and replicate what Google or Yelp does because Google and Yelp will do those things that they do as well. So you can find things on right. Yelp like that they take credit cards, you know, they have a dog fam, uh, friendly patio. Those are things yeah. that they do well. And that's not what we're trying to replicate. We're focused on are they socially responsible? Do I want to support them because of that? Right. Okay. Yeah. And I, you know, that's a really important point too, you know, that you mentioned, like, especially for so many. Um, social enterprises like there is that attraction and pull to kind of like load up with features because this is what you know product x over here has but yeah. it's like just remembering like at the end of the day like what's your objective what's your mission and you know are you building for <laughs> to look like google or are you building to you know serve these um socially responsible, you know, businesses and help people connect with them, which is the story right. aspect of it. Like, I really think that's amazing. Um, you know, and are those generally like the person, um, I saw up, up higher, it said suggested by, and it yes. had a person. So yes. like Nancy B, did, yes. does she, did she provide that whole story? Like no. everything here or yeah. Right. So, so, so good question. Nancy B suggested it to me saying, Hey, check out Detroit donuts and coffee. And that's literally all she provided. Um, okay. We take that information um, in rare cases. If the name of the business is fairly generic, like mm. Acme company, <laughs> there might be, you know, 50 different Acme companies, but there's only one Detroit donuts and coffee I can find online. Um, so we go in and look at the rest of the information. We pull everything that's publicly available. Okay. We, uh, intentionally stay away from trying to invent or create new information. We're not we're not okay. a we're not a rating agency. Right. Uh, we are trying to expose information that's publicly available but difficult to find. We okay. make that publicly available information easy to find in one spot. Right. Right. Um, there's a there's a there's a suggested business link up here mm -hmm. where you can go in and give you a form, and all you do is tell me who you are, give me a business name. If you think I need a hint in terms of a city location, give us, give us the city. Beyond that, that's that's all we ask for. Okay. If it's easier and you happen to be standing at Detroit Donuts and Coffee, take a picture, send that in. That's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it's enough for me to kind of make the connection and, and, and join the dots, I'll, I'll find it. Okay, cool. So it's really easy to help um, with, the, with this data. It's, yeah. Yes. Okay. We, we, we hope so. I mean, that, that's one of our design principles is... Um, less is more, um, you know, attention span. I don't need to tell you about uh, the amount of information out there online. Uh, attention spans are very short. You're gonna make it very easy, very simple. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't call it a sacrifice, but you wanna to lean towards less functionality, easier to use than a lot of richness and depth in your functionality. Yeah, it's, you know, certainly saves you a lot of, you know, headache and resources that could go into, you know, something that only Carmelize can do. Back on the home, I think it was the homepage where it had yeah. the different cities. Yes. Um, you know, so I, the nearest city I think that I saw there to me would be like Sacramento. Yeah. So um, for those, you know, 
those of us that are outside in major um, metros, are we, um, yeah. So when we start suggesting, like, do you yeah. kind of group things like into the metros or is it like the Sacramento one is like Sacramento and then I have to yeah. search for Reading. Yeah, so the, these are just just happen to be the ones that we want to feature. Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, makes sense. They're, the more, they're more popular ones. Yeah, uh, we could list more, but then you start thinking about okay, is that a good use of our real estate space? <laughs> um, that arguable, right? Um, yeah. Because think, it depends uh, on the small town. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. Uh, I think also people like pictures. It makes it a little bit yeah. more visually appealing. So we want to have a little bit more pictures versus a, a long list. But nevertheless, we have. Um, I haven't checked a in, in a while now, but you know, 300, 400 different cities mm, okay. uh, based on so, your address, right? So you, you can go ahead and type whatever you want. And if your city is in there, it will show up. Um, and even if your city doesn't have one actually in your city itself, there's a radius that we will search on. Okay. So yeah, yeah, so like LA, for example, um, there's multiple cities and suburbs around LA. You put in, you know, Santa Monica, Huntington Beach, et cetera. You get a fair number of uh, listings from around the area. Yeah, and that's really, um, I guess, that's going to be interesting for you as as it grows and you gain traction. That data of like what cities are people searching for that maybe yeah. you don't have a, yeah. a lot of entries or um, what kind of keywords you know are people what's the language they're using around the issues they care about. That's gonna, you know, probably going in the future gonna be like a pretty rich um, trove of data for a resource for you guys to pull from as you yeah. develop more. Yeah, that, that's an interesting topic for us, Lori, that's looking into the future a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of what, what we can potentially use this data for. Um, one of the things we know we don't want to use this data for, we're not, we're not in the data for profit business, right? Mm -hmm, so really on my right. co-founder and I, uh, fundamentally in principle, we agree that we're not, we're not collecting data to sell and we don't want to collect data to sell. What we are open to doing, what I am open to doing is using the data that can inform us about where the future needs could be, right? So trending analysis in terms of like what you mentioned, hey, there's a region of the country or a certain part of the country where some of these um, social causes are underrepresented. Why is that the case, right? Surely, if it, you're just making something up, right? We have no Black-owned businesses in New York City. Well, that's, that can't that's be true. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's odd, right? So it's, okay, we need to step yeah. up our marketing efforts. We need you know, some, some crowdfunding way to encourage people, hey, you know, recommend more Black-owned businesses for us, right? Or it could be the case that, no, that's actually right. There aren't any Black-owned businesses in New York City. Well, that represents yeah, a different problem. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's talk about that instead. <laughs> yeah. Why is that the case, right? Why aren't there any women-owned businesses in my town? Well, good question. Why aren't they? Mm -hmm. um, so we can hopefully use that information in a, in a positive way and try and make some change that way. I think that segues nicely into the question about, like, what um, resources, you know, you that have been really helpful to you along this journey to get to the this point in the product and then you know going forward what are you seeing as you know the greatest um area of need okay for, for continuing your vision all right so resources that got us to this point um you know we spent we spent about a year as i mentioned uh working on social data before covid Mm -hmm. uh, there's a fair amount of research that went into that that period of time and then there's a different set of research and different conversation happened after that yeah. post-covid that crystallized caramelized 
Um, but one of the things that we started very early on was figuring out, okay, if we're going to try and do something, what is it actually that we're going to do, right? So we had to find, we had to find our purpose. I'm very intentional about that. Uh, we came across um, somebody who's on TED Talk and, and other places. His name is Simon Sinek. Mm. Um, and and uh, you, you can find him on YouTube. And among the many things that he promotes, one of the things called, you know, the question of why you got to find your why why are you in this business why are you doing this right before you figure out the how or the what it's mm-hmm. the why and for us we had to you know spend some time thinking about why do we want to do this personally and why do we want to do this in terms of the solution that's coming up so personally the answer was we want to make a change in our lives my co-founder and i in giving back mm-hmm. and in terms of the, the the public the people that we're trying to impact the why is we want to help them make a bigger impact with in their lives as well to inspire more good karma. Right? Mm-hmm. So we started with that. Then you say, well, what's what's the solution? How do we do that? What is it we're going to do, and how are we going to do that? Um, the other piece of information that we found that was really valuable for us was something called the Millennial Impact Report, mm-hmm. and that's uh, you'll find that there's a lot of research out there already from organizations that are in the business of doing research and consumer trends and that kind of thing. And the Millennial Impact Report is a study that was done by the Case Foundation, and they did this over a 10-year period. Um, and in the summary, what they did is we, they, they looked at social causes uh, and, and social activity for millennials. And they said, what do millennials want to do? The, the, the good question they found out, or the good answer they found out was millennials actually want to do something for social action. They're very active and they're very passionate about it. And then beyond this, the follow-up was what do they want to do? There were five things out of the top 10, there were five things that millennials wanted to do in order to do something about their social cause. One, they want to vote. Two, they want to sign a petition. Three, they want to post something on social media. Four, they want to change their buying habits. And five, they want to contact their local rep- represent, elected representative. And so those are the five things. What you see that's not in those five things, uh, I want to donate more money. <laughs> and volunteer my time, right? Yeah. And that's, that's natural, right? People yeah. don't have an unlimited amount of money and don't have an unlimited amount of time. So right. we decided, okay, if we're going to help people engage and be more socially active, we got to meet them in the things that they want to do, not the things that they don't want to do, mm-hmm. right? So out of that list of top five, what are we going to do? Well, you, you sort of by process elimination, I, I, yeah. I don't think we're going to go head on against move on or change at all. That's already taken care <laughs> right. of, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think we need another social media platform. So we said, okay, well, changing buying habits thing sounds pretty interesting. So let's focus there. And that, that's where we ended up focusing on changing buying habits. Okay. Um, so that's, that's, that's one of the things that helped us early on in terms of resources. Um, later on, once we got moving and we're live and so forth. Um, the thing that most recently helped us a lot was how do we get our message out? How do we tell people about what we're doing? The people that know us seem to like what we're doing, mm-hmm. uh, but we want to reach more people. So there's, there's two things that came up that we found, one called uh, Guerrilla Marketing for Nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, it's a series of books that's Guerrilla Marketing for different sorts of segments, but this one was around Guerrilla Marketing for Nonprofits. And um, one of the things that they really uh, espouse is, do you want to really connect with your audience on an emotional level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not on a logical level, not on a data level, <laughs> not on the, you know, let me tell you why this is such, such a good thing and right. And so you got to reach them on an emotional level. And what that means is you need to talk about you in terms of them. They call it 
actually, let me just step back. They call it you marketing versus me marketing. Okay. Me marketing yeah. is telling me, me telling you all about commonalize, all the facts and features and all that fun stuff, mm-hmm. which are fun to me, but not interesting to anybody else, right? You marketing is, let me tell you why commonalize can help you make a difference in your life, mm-hmm. right? That's the whole, and it kind of turns that around. Um, you marry that with another book that I just finished up called Story Intelligence mm. by Rick Stone. And what story intelligence tells you is that if you want to reach people, they, by, by the way, they fully agree with this new marketing concept, but if you want to reach people, you got to tell stories. Mm-hmm. And you have to tell stories, not stories about 100 people, or not stories about groups of people, or generations. You got to tell stories about one individual. They call this a principle universal, a universal universality of one. So mm-hmm. taking one person's story, and from that, when people hear that story, they think I can make a difference to a whole bunch more people because of that one, what that one person represents. Right. So those are two things we're trying to build in into our marketing going forward to try and get our message out uh, more effectively. Oh, so that's cool. So lots of, um, you know, I noticed like the, you know, it's not necessarily that, you know, you needed this like boot camp on python right you know like <laughs> you know in terms of what is moving yeah. that mission forward you know it's a lot of the non-tech stuff um the you know like people might call them soft concepts but just you know those yeah. um kind of adjacent principles of you know how you communicate um the impact you want to make how you communicate your vision yeah um yeah yeah, in, in fairness, Lord, that might be my background as well. So I'm, I have a technical background. I'm, I'm not the world's expert in terms of development. And I, I don't know Python, right? But yeah. I think I think Google's actually pretty good in terms of you need technical expertise or concepts. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of information out there that you can, and I certainly availed myself of that to use. But um, it's harder to discern like the soft side of things, the promotions, the planning, and the strategy side of things. That's a little bit harder because yeah. the answers are not so black and white in in, the, in that space. Yeah. And, and those are kind of your long-term, um, you know, that's, it's a problem that doesn't really get solved, you know, like you, it's something that people have to keep working on and evolving and tweaking and, you know, so yeah, it's, it's an investment (laughs) in in the the long game, right. To be considering these things. Yeah. And, you know, with the growth of the platform, like, are you seeing, that you know you have greater resource needs for you know development like is the product pretty much like how it needs to be for this next phase of growth like or are you guys looking at like this roadmap of features that like you know you're gonna need um yeah you know, more people and things like that yeah so there's always a roadmap of features uh <laughs> and I, I think that's healthy to have yeah. but i think it's also healthy to know what stays in the roadmap versus what gets built um and to do that we always go back to okay why we go back to our why yeah you know mm-hmm. are we helping people make a difference and if i gave them this one extra feature how much more of a difference can they make right mm-hmm. and at this point given that we're three months live we don't think we're at the stage yet that we can say this is going to make a dramatic in, a difference in terms of people's adoption and ability to you know choose to change their buying habits this way mm-hmm. so we've held off on um, making changes to the app secondly our app is actually a um, 
built on top of a third-party software platform. Okay. Um, so there's limitations. It, it's semi-custom is what I'm saying, right? So there's limitations to how much more customization we can make without actually getting into code. Mm. Uh, and that, that's a big limiting factor. So where we are right now, we're not, we're not, we're not ready to make that, that deep just yet. Yeah, and that's kind of like a blessing, and right <laughs> in a way, like to keep you from getting out of hand. Yeah. <laughs> like, a, yeah. and like you're saying, being considering, like, well, what is the return on, you know, R Y? Exactly. <laughs> return yeah. on Y um, right. for for this next step. So. Yeah, and just to give you a frame of reference, what 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 I showed you in terms of the the little uh, tour earlier, um, that was built in. Um, you know, two to three months time frame to get mm. from, from zero to that. Um, it actually took six months because I built that on a different platform, mm -hmm. also over two to three months, uh, ran that through a focus group uh, that we put together of millennials and said, well, what do you guys think? And, and they liked it, but you could tell also, hey, <laughs> this is not exactly the easiest thing to use and it's not so, you know, they didn't use the word friendly, but it doesn't, it doesn't inspire people jumping on saying, I really want to, you know, jump on this bandwagon. Okay. Uh, so we decided, okay, look, you know, even though we built this that far, we're going to find a different platform um, that has less functionality, by the way, <laughs> but look better. Um, so we, we did that a second time, also took two to three months uh, to get from zero to, to go live. Wow, that's really good information. Like, um, you know, with your focus group, yeah, like what were some of the kind of surprising things like maybe you know are there any of the features that we saw besides you know just the I guess usability it sounds like there were some usability issues maybe but yeah. like are, you know, are there things that you know definitely like you hadn't even considered that they you know from their feedback got you you know thinking oh yeah I guess you know we should have feature x or you know yeah, I, I, I think it was, it was less the features and more the how much information are you showing me at one time ah, and in, okay. in what form, right? So um, hopefully you might have seen, you know, from the homepage, mm -hmm. there's, I would say, roughly 70 to 30% mix between pictures versus text. Yeah. Um, maybe more. And, and that's intentional. But once you get down to the last, the last line and you're showing me about the business, then we give you more text and more information because that's where the information comes into play. Mm -hmm. And in, in the initial version, we were trying to do everything all at once, right? Look how oh, much stuff we have, yeah. you know? And, and, and oh, here's a few pictures to kind of get you excited, but look how much stuff we have. You know? And they're like, no, I don't, I don't, we I don't need so that. We work so hard to get this information. I know. <laughs> and I fit it all on one screen. Look at that, right? And, and they're like, well, that's, that's I, when I see that much information, I'm not inspired to click into that information yeah. right? it looks too much it looks too busy so that's uh yeah so that that's probably the biggest feedback we took yeah wow that's pretty cool and it, it's a good you know confirmation about you know doing that type of research it doesn't have to be you know a big like time intensive ux research study yeah. <laughs> but just getting you know that little bit of feedback you know can really keep you from spending another two to three months <laughs> right, right. Um, at the and, at and the also <laughs> and here's a little dirty secret too in that in the first go around it took a lot more customizations just to get oh, that much yeah. information on one page okay. right we thought we, <laughs> we thought we're doing a, them a favor by by customizing it to get it that way but it was actually not the case yeah well okay 
Now, these are important lessons. Yeah. And, um, you know, what would you say to the, you know, person out there that, you know, they them, themselves are maybe working on a, an app, you know, or something that, you know, they want to reach people with and help people, um, you know, produce some type of um, impact and, you know, maybe they aren't getting the feedback that they would like or the yeah. traction that they would like, um, you know, how do you keep, how did you guys keep going and stay inspired and encouraged, you know, through different hurdles? Yeah. Um, uh, so maybe a few things here. One is, you know, we, we talk to a lot of people mm-hmm. before we build a single line of, of anything. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we easily talked about a hundred or more people over six months Wow. just to engage in them in conversation about, Hey, you know, we're thinking about doing this. Here's a rough idea of what we're doing. Um, we had a slide deck, which now in hindsight, I think I shouldn't have created that slide deck. I mean, even with creating a slide deck, we had less than six slides, right? Because we didn't, we didn't want to turn into a, a design, you know, design session, right? Mm-hmm. A design review. We wanted a conceptual strategic, strategic discussion. Okay. Is this a good idea? Would it make a difference and so forth? Um, and not one person will give you the same response. So you have to keep asking, right? Keep, yeah. right? And so it's, it's always a good thing to talk to more people than less. Um, but recognize that you're not going to hear what you want to hear. If you're going into these conversations looking for confirmation, mm. you walk out disappointed. Right? And there's, yeah. there's that early on, we're thinking, why don't they like this idea that much? And okay, that's actually a good thing. So we, you got to go in with that kind of open mind. Um, we also have to help us uh, train ourselves to think about, okay, they said some things, but they intentionally did not say a few things. So mm. why didn't they say things? And, and, and you got to figure out you know, what are they excluding? That might be a, a signal about, you know, you're going down the wrong path. Um, so we, we talked to a lot of people about that before we even created our first sort of concept of what we were actually going to do. Um, beyond that, I think you have to be, you know, if, if you're um, really confident in your why that keeps you going, you have to trust your instinct. At some point in time, even with the input from 100 people, you got to trust your instinct and say, I'm going to go down this path. Mm-hmm. Um, because we felt we were building something that doesn't exist, right? So if, you have, if you're building something new and doesn't exist, um, sometimes people aren't going to say, hey, I, I, I can't imagine that, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means it hasn't been done before. And you got to trust your, your, your gut and, and plow forward. But do that with some things that might help you along the way, like the focus group that we we uh, conducted after we already built a, a prototype. Even before we built the prototype, we actually ran a survey of our own, um, uh, and we sent it out to millennials. Mm. Kind of asked friends and family, uh, primarily friends and family who are younger, <laughs> yeah, and, and gave them some questions. Right? Hey, look, if you had something like this, we didn't tell we didn't tell them what we we're doing. We just ask them for, you know, what are your habits? What are your wishes? What would you like to do if you had a way to make a social impact? And in, in a lot of ways, it validated what we learned from the Millennial Impact Report. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that in the Millennial Impact Report, changing buying habits was number four in, in the survey results. In our survey, it was actually number one. Wow. Um, okay. And the rest of the, you know, two, three, four, five were very similar. So we felt, okay went on to something here that's a different group of people who also want to do the same things mm-hmm. so hey now the burden is can we build something that's actually going to help them change their buying habits if we can then we're on the right track because i definitely feel like there are things for me 
<laughs> um, talking to me <laughs> about, um, you know, just some things that I'm, you know, working on and thinking about. Yeah. Um, and that, the idea of, you know, that you may not hear what you want to hear, yeah. but it doesn't mean that you're necessarily um, just, you need to drop it. And I think, yeah. you know, that's such an important idea is, you know, with the Civic Hacker Network, we're trying to, you know, focus on reaching people um, who, wherever they're situated, you know, are not necessarily surrounded by people that say, yeah, you can, yeah. you know, <laughs> you can change the yeah. system. You can, um, you know, affect, you know, the change that you want to see in this community. It's yeah. more of, you know, people that are, 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 having to push against, you know, some against the tide. And exactly. I think right. that's really important to, you know, let people know, like, there's a way that you can move through that and continue by yeah. trusting your gut, because people may need to catch up to you. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. 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 And you, you prompted something in, in, in me and Lori, you know, and in, in, we'd walk away from these conversations, my co-founder and I, and sometimes we'd say, they just they didn't get it, did they? And you know, for for thirty seconds, they'll say, "Wow, I can't understand why they didn't get it." And you know, it always comes back to we didn't do a good enough job telling them what we're trying to trying mm -hmm. to say, right? Yeah. It's not them; it's us. We got to we got to we got to own that, right? So if they yeah. didn't understand what we were trying to tell them, that's on us. Let's use this as an opportunity to figure out, okay, how do we refine what we're yeah. saying? Yeah. How do we change what we're saying, or how do we approach it in a different way? And start a conversation in a different way to help them, you know, catch up with us, like you said, right? Yeah. So every op every every discussion we had turns into a positive for the next discussion. Yes, right on. Um, so, is there anything that you wanted to you know make sure that we touched on that I you know, haven't asked you about, or that you wanted to put out there to the audience? Um, let's see. So maybe just a. Um, couple of things on on the technology side I know I mentioned that I was I, you know we built this on a on a third-party platform um, and it's it's software that we bought off of the off the internet you do some research you know what are the best platforms for this and that you find it um, but this the software that we bought also had a Facebook Facebook user group mm. um, and that was actually where we got a lot more tech support <laughs> then from tech support. I mean, we relied on tech support to get, you know, kind of figures, figure out some, some technical issues for us, mm -hmm. but in terms of design issues, like, can it do this? Can it do that? What's the best way of doing things? That Facebook user group was actually more, uh, more active and more helpful for us. So uh, definitely look out for things like that, which are not officially sanctioned, but uh, extremely valuable. Yeah. Um, and then maybe the second piece of advice I'll give is what one of the hundred plus people told us in terms of advice as well too she said you know i think you guys are on the right track but you need to study your audience and this, these issues uh, a lot more than i think you are um and and by that she meant and in her words she said you need to get proximate to the issues ah yes mm -hmm. and I, I had to look at the meaning of the word proximate <laughs> <laughs> But once I got, got past that, I'm like, how, how does she know whether we're proximate to it or not? And, you know, and, and the reality is we were not, right? There's always, you can always learn more. You can always study more. So that mm -hmm. got us down the path of we really need to catch. We had some more catching up of our own to do. Yeah. And if we're going to encourage people to support the SDGs and there's 17 of those, we're going to do more to understand what those 17 issues are, right? Mm -hmm. Beyond just the definition of what they are. 
And so we ended up doing a lot more reading. Uh, we have a book list of things that we read on socialleader.org. Okay. Um, when you say some move it to Carmelize, but right now it's on social leader. So if anyone out there wants to sort of study up on these social issues, mm. please feel free to, to look at and we'll keep the book list updated. It's also organized by SDG. So if you're interested in, you know, what are some of the available current thinking around improving healthcare or education or poverty or climate change? That's the, you know, most of them have, you know, easily eight, a dozen or more books relevant to that topic. Okay. Yeah, that's really um, interesting, you know, because that, you know, the SDGs are kind of, I don't know, it's, you know, something that a lot of people aren't really super engaged with. And then yeah. if you're wanting to, you know, match um, businesses and, you know, their social impact with those, it's like, you're yeah. right, you have to, especially, you know, in a way that um, doesn't unintentionally go against, you know, what you're trying to accomplish, right? If right. you are just conceptualizing, oh, it says clean water, like, let's, you know, this pe these people look good for that. But then once yeah. you dig into like the SDG itself and like the indicators and what they're actually, you know, tracking globally <laughs> to yeah. say, if we're moving this, it may yeah. be, you know, something that's totally different than um, what that business is, you know, maybe doing. So you yeah. might, you know, rethink that. So yeah, it does keep right. you, keeps you from making unintentional um, steps backward, you know, when you yes. were trying to move forward. Yes. And another way I've heard that said is um, the question, how close are you to the work? Yeah. So um, it was more from an, an activist and talking about just, you know, if you're worried about, you know, people in jail, like, and you want to do something, like, have you ever visited a jail? Exactly. Have you talked to someone who's been yeah. incarcerated? Right. Um, yeah, like we, yeah, this, and technologists are very guilty of, of that yeah. at a distance, you know, right. I, I am going to know things. I know things and I help people. <laughs> that's what yeah. i do <laughs> yeah but it's yeah, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a tough one laurie right because yeah. you don't want to scare people away to or, or right. jump in and engaging and say oh yeah, if you want to engage you got to go all the way to the end well yeah. you know take a few steps in yeah. that direction you got to get arrested <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't no, have to go no. that far <laughs> yeah you don't have to go that far and, and, and nobody's perfect take a few steps in the right direction and if you know if, if you feel moved take a few more steps and yeah. uh, be prepared to do that yeah yeah <laughs> very nice all right so um you know we're gonna have some links published, but you know, is there kind of like a top line one uh, where you would have any calls to action for people or where they want to look, look you up for yeah. further information and engagement? Okay. Yeah. It's Carmelize, K-A-R-M-A-L-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Um, and that's our website. We'll go to the Apple store or Google play and it's called Carmelize and download it and or, or use the web version and they all work the same way. Everybody knows somebody, some business that they can support or want to support, all right? So um, please suggest that's how we grow. We don't, that's the only way we grow is for everybody to jump in and suggest something. So everybody knows one business at least that they think it's a women-owned business, a small business, doing something for a good social cause that they support. Um, start with one and suggest one. Hey, listener. Lifting up and recognizing the efforts and stories of people like Rich is a big part 
of how the Civic Hacker Network aims to make an impact as an organization. But have you heard about our other program, the Community Impact Accelerator? We created the Community Impact Accelerator, or call it CIA for short, to make sure that there are more of these stories from a broader range of people. The kinds of outcomes people share in the summit and on this podcast don't happen overnight, and they aren't inevitable. The road to significant change is long, and the cost to communities is high when would-be changemakers give up, burn out, or stay locked out. The goal of the CIA is to bring social impact leaders operating in diverse locations and situations out of isolation and into a supportive group where their vision for change can be nurtured and sustained. If this sounds like something you need, the first step toward taking part in the Community Impact Accelerator is to apply. Just go to civic-hackers.org CIA and we will get you plugged into the right cohort for you and help you to effectively plan, measure, and grow and communicate your impact. Once again, you can apply and learn more at civic-hackers.org CIA. Many thanks to Rich Yap from Caramelize for the valuable information, references, and tools he shared with us. As we have just heard, Rich's work provides a platform to facilitate your support of diverse and socially responsible businesses. It is paving the way for widespread positive social impact. We hope that this episode has inspired you to join Carmelize in their efforts to make an impact via informing consumers' choices. If you want to help support these businesses, or know of even just one business that should be listed on the Carmelize platform, you can join the effort by going to Carmelize.org, and it's Carmelize, spelled with a K, K-A-R-M-A-L-I-Z-E dot org. And you should definitely download the app. It is free and puts all that good karma right where you need it. Got an idle moment? Don't open that social app that shall not be named. Open Carmelize and use that tech for good. You should also check out the free webinar that Rich and I put together for the good of the order, where he shared some data insights from the Carmelize platform about how small businesses are embracing social responsibility, and he explores how we can do the same in our organizations. The recording is available to watch on demand now, so just go to civic-hackers.org resources. If you click on the webinars option, you will see the uh, what's going on, a field report on social responsible small businesses webinar, and you can check it out there. I love hearing from you all, and I would love to hear how you are engaging with all the different topics we cover in uh, your work, and so please drop me a line via email at lori, L-O-R-I, at civic-hackers.org, or you can always leave a voice message by heading over to civic-hackers.org slash pod.
The thing I love most about ending each of these episodes with reflections of gratitude is that it becomes a no-brainer to put the focus on people and connections between us via the ways in which we choose to show how we care about what happens to other people. Today, we can be grateful for the creators of a platform through which we have the power to make a conscious choice to support businesses that align with our values. I'm so thankful for Rich and his work to effectively transform the reach and scope of social impact that individuals can produce as consumers through Carmelize. I'm grateful for those willing to take the time to learn about the businesses they are purging from and choose to support businesses that align with evidence-based social benefit values, even when it's inconvenient. I am so thankful for those who choose this path and share what they learn to guide others who would follow in their footsteps. I'm thankful for the people who, over the ages, have cared for the beautiful land in far northern California where I produce this podcast. It is with gratitude I acknowledge the Wintu people. This is their current ancestral home, and I'm committed to supporting work that they lead to meet the needs of their people. I want you to know how grateful I am to you for listening. I welcome your feedback because it helps me to improve this podcast and better serve the network. So make sure you rate and review the show and share it with your people. With your help, others will discover this podcast and the amazing work that we highlight. Please follow the Civic Hacker Network on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, and claim your free membership to get an invitation to join us on Slack. You can find all the links to these places to connect with us on our website, which is civic-hackers.org. I'm Lori McNeil wishing you all the good things between now and your next listen to the Civic Hacker Podcast. Problems have solutions. Let's get to work. The Civic Hacker Podcast is a production of Civic Hacker Network, a networking and support hub for people using data and technology to create positive change in their communities. The audio is edited by Lily Conway, and Kate Allison writes our scripts. The Civic Hacker Network is a nonprofit organization fiscally hosted by the Open Collective Foundation. Join the network for free at civic-hackers.org.